Fanboy Nation. This is your pal Daffy Duck, and you're watching. You're watching. We're watching. You're watching Fanboy. 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 A fanboy, etc. Fanboy Nation. Dot. I assume Tom. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Ryan Shinatri, the general manager of Topic, one of the latest streaming sites that has popped up in the last couple of years that has had quite a few interesting shows and miniseries popping up. Ryan, how are you? I'm doing really well. I'm excited to talk to you this afternoon. I'm excited to talk to you too because, you know, we have the big two. We have uh, Netflix and we have Hulu. And then, of course, you know, Disney's gotten their own thing in their own little niche world. But now we have Topic, we have Dust, Quibi is on the rise. So we have these other streaming options that are popping up. Um, as of right now, we'll call you guys second tier because you haven't made it to the level of Netflix and Hulu. What does that mean for streaming services? Well, I like to think of us as the alternative tier. You know, um, we certainly aren't uh, striving to be in the same, uh, you know, tier as Netflix or Disney or Hulu. But we we think that as the cable bundle continues to sort of unbundle, um, there's lots of room in the market for services that have a very specific point of view and attract an audience, you know, that is looking for a concentration of programming within that point of view that they get a little bit of uh, from Netflix, a little bit from Hulu, a little bit from Amazon Prime, but they don't really have um, the concentration, that sort of um, specific uh, curated selection. So that's really where we come in. Uh, in our case, we're really programming to a frame of mind, to a, to a sensibility, as I mentioned. You know, we don't, we're not genre focused. We're not length focused. We're really agnostic to uh, all of those factors. And we look to represent stories and points of view from all across the world that aren't getting as much attention or uh, get naturally, uh, you know, quote unquote, sort of buried through algorithms, um, unless you're really, really focused on finding uh, those those titles um, and bringing those, you know, front and center for you and that knowing every week you're going to have something new, something surprising, you know, something that makes you think or sort of question um, your own culture, your own point of view. Um, so that's really where we're trying to kind of carve, you know, our path. And we think that fits fairly naturally with how the industry is is changing alongside uh, all of the, the larger tier one players. Could that be a bit dangerous, say, socially in in the long run? Let's say platform A uh, ends up having a leftist ideology and starts promoting more and more le uh, left of center to far left programming. And then platform B is right of center to far right programming. Um, if I'm only subscribing to either platform A or platform B, doesn't that take away from discourse and discussion between groups of people uh, because they've been so hyper-focused on their own worldview without an exchange of ideas? Uh, yeah, that's fascinating to, to sort of think about and, and project forward. I, I don't think we would say that we, you know, are, are leaning politically, you know, in terms of trying to, to express a particular point of view. I mean, we, we certainly are not, we don't present uh, what would be considered today sort of the version of conservative or 
let's call it red state programming. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, you know, the Netflix's example of that famously was the ranch, right? Their mm-hmm. effort to kind of pr- present something that, that crossed over. I think we're really more interested in bringing you representations of life from all across the globe, right? Like bringing you into a family in, in Thailand, in Brazil, bringing you into a relationship drama in Switzerland, into how the criminal justice system works in Finland versus the U.S. I mean, well, certainly nothing is ever, um, you know, completely objective in that sense. We're trying to kind of represent uh, many, many different views from, from all sorts of different experiences and walks of life. And I think, you know, to your your question, I, I think that yes, I guess if you only had topic, is that a danger um, that you know you are you are sort of indoctrinated in in the topic point of view, um, but potentially. But I think in how the again going back to this concept of the unbundling, mm-hmm. you know, you are most most consumers in the study we recently did, they have access. They might not necessarily be paying for, but they have access to four, five, six, seven services between what they themselves subscribe to and what they have through friends, family, colleagues sharing. Right. So I do think no no one person at this moment really doesn't have a wide sort of fire hose of different ideas coming in, you know, to to their TV, to their laptop every day. Okay. Um, I know the study showed something like 48% have cable and uh, a set of streaming services uh, 33, I think 33% only had cable and then another 28% only had streaming services. Uh, so we do see a shift in the market mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, you know, and people always talk about representation and representation is always an interesting word and it's a very much buzzword, but I have never seen my own ethnic identity represented in any sort of mainstream, uh, representation. You know, I've gotten glimpses of culture similar to mine. I've gotten glimpses of nationality similar to mine, but I've never seen my own. So everyone uses these buzzwords representation, but like I'm a minority within a minority, right? So like I'll say, for example, I'm Middle Eastern, all right? So people will sit there and go, oh, here's all this programming about the Middle East. 80% 80% of it becomes Palestinian-Israeli. I'm neither Palestinian nor Israeli. The majority of stuff that follows that is all Islamic, you know, related and relations between the West and the Muslim world. I'm not Muslim. So none of my representation mm-hmm. comes because I'm not Jewish, I'm not Muslim, I'm not an Arab, but I'm from the Middle East. So when people talk about this representation, certain groups are being represented, but groups and other, within the groups are completely ignored. So that's why, like, the term representation is always just like, yeah, okay, you're, you know, you're kind of throwing uh, peanuts to the elephants. Yeah, and I think that really is, that is the uh, quest we are on to solve as our particular mission. So we, you know, there there's however many billions of intersections in the world, right? So you, you we're never going to be able to fully kind of represent every sort of crossover of, of all of the different variations that, you know, make us all up. But I do think that we specifically as a service do have unique ability and, and long-term goal mm. to be, 
to be a much better definition of of that word to represent a story you know such as yours through a short film that may only you know be surfaced in a very particular way through a through a festival through our you know our network and we have the ability to kind of pluck that short film out and you know bring it to our audience and that's really what we're trying to do we are trying to say well we want to make sure that that the typically discussed categories you know we feel like we're really doing a good job of bringing voices that don't get into the mainstream uh pitch rooms you know we're giving them a platform but we also want to go beyond that we do want to bring work from filmmakers who are representing their culture, their ideas, their points of view in a way that might have never been seen on screen before. Um, you know, a great example to me of this from last year was Honeyland. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that that was a, a a insight into a world in which for most people, I don't think ever would have thought or imagined, right? right. Here is a community within a community, as you would, you know, as you said, um, that's probably never really broadly been represented on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's fascinating to me. And uh, we want to look for the versions of those stories that we're able to program and, you know, really bring those to right now, what is a North American audience right. who is craving that, that experience, but doesn't necessarily get to go to that country, get to go experience that particular person's point of view mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason. But we can sort of bring them a little bit more of that than they're going to get from their other uh, you know, channel, quote unquote, right. choices. Right. And mind you, remember when I said A, A and B, because I didn't want to put topic in there because I'm not accusing topic of anything one way or the other. So that's why I said <laughs> A or B, because the program you guys have on there yeah. is great. So that's why, you know, I don't want to point fingers at one side or the other just saying, hey, you know, these are options. Uh, but those are things I do tend to worry about is if we get so tunnel vision on, you know, X, Y, Z, that, uh, you know, we'll forget to listen to the opposition's point of view. And that becomes terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it really is. Oh, yeah. sorry. Oh, no, 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 please continue. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it is something we are thinking about all the time is how, how do you make sure that you're not repeating both that you're breaking out of what has caused a lot of the, the problems of, of Hollywood, you know, of, of who we get, who, who has been able to be seen on screen, but like that is a day, you know, this is daily work, right? You have to be reminding, thinking, learning every single day to really ensure that as you evaluate work, as you build your networks, that you have all of those incoming sources. So you're not, you know, you're not just getting uh, uh, enclosed in your own bubble. You know, it is, it is tough and hard work in the beginning, but I think when you put in that work, you, you realize the payoff, which is, you know, which is really, I think, then what we are seeking in a in a definition of representation. Um, it kind of comes across in a sense when a new radio station used to pop up. So, like, say Station X decided to be all house, all techno, all dance music. So for the first month, they'd play it virtually commercial free with all the type of music that that you were looking for and then you were excited to hear it. And then eventually when it had to go commercial to turn a profit, you know, they'd slowly incorporate more mainstream stuff. They'd slowly incorporate DJs. Mm. They'd slowly incorporate uh, more and more advertisements till it started looking like station Y, 
which was virtually identical to that you were trying to get away from. Um, as profits grow and as, you know, Topic and Quibi and the other ones become financially secure, how do you maintain to the true identity of what you re what you started out to do without going quote unquote commercial and selling out the ideals that you initially had? That, that's a great question. And again, something we kind of grapple with uh, on a daily basis. And I think the thing is that it, you know, all of this starts with, with everything we do being entertaining uh, that is really at the heart of our of our service and mission. We want to have a point of view. We want to be meaningful. We want to come across in an elevated and, and really thoughtful way. But if whatever you're pressing play on doesn't immediately draw you in, doesn't thrill you, doesn't kind of keep you hooked into the storyline, whether that's uh, scripted or or unscripted, doc, you know, <laughs> short. So really, our goal is as we grow to maintain. What is it about a uh, show like uh, Pagan Peak, which was one of our uh, premier launch titles? Mm -hmm. What is it about that show that really drives the viewing experience? What is it about that show that if we were to remake it now, we might look at doing? Um, we didn't. We were not involved in making that. We licensed that title just mm -hmm. for clarity. Of but course. if we were to make that show now, how would it look? Mm -hmm. um, what would we do differently? How would we respond to? Um, everything we've learned over the past three to four months. And I think that is that is sort of the journey we're on is to say, okay, you could have a crime show that depicts the justice system in a way that doesn't perpetuate, you know, good cop, bad cop stereotypes or, um, you know, racial profiling or, you know, all of the victims tend to be um, dead sex workers, you know, which has long been... Uh, many a plot line, and I right. think there's e equally number of ways to mirror back what's happening in society in a way that furthers the good, but is grounded in, frankly, the tropes, the storytelling um, tools and techniques that are well honed. Right. You know, and you you just flip those things. You have to be thoughtful about them. And again, that doesn't come overnight. Mm -hmm. I think you know brands like Netflix have done a great job lately at at moving some of that forward but it really is dependent on everyone who works with storytellers mm -hmm. to push each other to make sure oh are you considering how this this angle might look is there a way we can achieve that same plot point but right. um represent the character in a way that you know is we like we talk often about you know is this net positive you know, we want we want everything we do to be net positive to storytelling, to representation, to okay. to how the characters come across on screen. Um, again, like it's easy to talk about this stuff, right? Of course, like, it, it's very easy to sort of um, say what we wish it could be. It's much harder to put it into action, and that's <laughs> really, I think, the task everyone has. But in particular, we're very very focused on, and it it's not a hundred percent strike rate, you know, right. to your point, like we are building a long-term commercially viable business in order to hopefully be a platform that can continue to bring these types of stories. So we have to forge our path there, but also not deviate, not sacrifice, not like for convenience, pick up a, you know, a, a terrorist driven thriller that plays into every common, you know, mm -hmm. stereotype that's been established over the last, 
you know, 30 years. I got so, you. Uh, we, we, we're, yeah, very conscious of that and, and really working within the system, you know, to try to find the ways we can, we can make incremental progress, you know, with every, everything we program, everything we pick up. Right. Like, you know, I, I see, you know, I'll get off the programming after the, this comment. Like, you know, when I see programming the, that's made, it's either very left, very right, and there's no room for gray areas in most programming situations. Again, I'm not attacking topic for this, but like, I like mm -hmm. to see various points of views. So if I got a documentary, uh, let's say it's LGBT, all right, or LGBTQ plus uh, programming, for example, right? And there's a documentary about trans athletes. Okay, that's interesting to me. But on the inverse, I'd also like to see a documentary about log cabin Republicans. Because people automatically assume mm -hmm. that everyone that's LGBTQ is on the left. But I know quite a few LGBTQ people that are on the right. So it'd be interesting to see a documentary showing the other perspective as well. You know, not just playing into, you know, left, uh, you know, left of center, far, far left, right of center, far right you know, covering those gray areas as well. But that's me personally, because I'm interested in the gray areas. I, I would agree. I think, it, and I think the challenge to solve there is when does, when does allowing those points of view, whatever they are, um, to have a platform end up being in, in the view of the programmer net positive, right? Not talking topic, not talking anyone. You know, if, if you're going to do a documentary on, you know, you're going to do the 7,000th documentary on, on Trump and you disagree with Trump, what does that look like? You know, how does, how is that additive to both sides of the conversation? And we, we think that's important. Like we don't want to just present one side of any story. Right. We want to make sure that in, even in our own biases, we are trying to fairly explain and and bring to life you know uh, uh, the the viewpoints that run across any spectrums political or otherwise right. again that's that's challenging work to find the filmmaker can do it correctly to find the subjects who are um okay but there's there's a few projects that we're not you know able to announce yet but i think would in your definition of of sort of how um you know you can present both sides i think do do wonderful jobs with that and we hope that as we bring uh, those out and, you know, attract more of those types of takes, we are seen as a place that really uh, isn't afraid to go across a spectrum. Um, and, and we're unique in that we're independent. We don't have shareholders. You know, we, we aren't motivated by necessarily the same business reasons that Disney for sure is. Mm -hmm. um, so something that might not, uh, be comfortable being on Hulu uh, is something that we might be willing to take a risk on because um, we we want to be provocative right. in, in however you want to define that word, right? Mm -hmm. It's a very widely definable word, um, but we do want to push push people, push the buttons, push the perspective, mm -hmm. um, cause conversation, whether that's potentially potentially sometimes not in our favor. Right. You know, uh, that that is a risk that you have to be willing to bear when uh, whatever the other side is, you know, we see that every day, you know, now right. uh, with culture. Mm -hmm. um, so it really it's it's challenging, but I think very worthwhile. Right. Um, 
with the issue, this is the primary issue that I have with streaming services. Uh, it's gonna sound, it's gonna sound like I'm attacking streaming services at first, but I'm really not. Um, with cable, with satellite okay. dish, you know, we have our list of 270 channels, for example. Scroll through, click, it, I'm instantly there, right? With streaming services, yep. I sit there, and each one has their own lineup, their own programming, their own, um, you know, instant gratification. So let's say I want to switch from I'm, – I'm on Quibi. I had just signed in. I watched two 10-minute episodes of Series X. Okay, I did my 20 minutes there. I'm now going to sign out of Quibi. I'm going to sign into Dust. Okay, I did two episodes of – you know, I scrolled through – found something that interested me, watched two episodes on dust, sign out, scroll over, sign in to, to topics, scroll through. Okay, this documentary looks interesting, and I hit click. The time spent between searching from platform to platform to platform seems too congested. It takes too long to do that. Is there going to be a way that we can switch from platform to platform without all these extra steps and make it as simple as it is between cable and satellite. Yeah, um, it's certainly frustrating now just managing logins, let alone everything else. Uh, I I think that what each of the, uh, you know, what Apple, Amazon, and Roku doing uh, are doing is is very interesting, and I think represents the sort of history repeating itself moment. You know, Apple TV, in my experience of the three right now is doing kind of the most seamless job of what you described. Now, of course, Quibi isn't uh, in there. You know, Netflix is not in there. But for the rest of the ecosystem that is, all of – and there's a, there is certainly an opposite opinion and downside to this, right? When, when our programming roams next to HBO's programming for a particular user, that can be seen as, you know, maybe great or maybe not for us and similarly for HBO. But for the user, it's like, okay, I like, you know, scientific dystopian thrillers. Well, here's the one I watched on HBO and here's, you know, the one that on topic maybe takes you to a, a whole different viewpoint that you didn't even think about sci-fi could do. Um, so I do think these, you know, as much as there are downsides with algorithms too, especially with a lot of what we've talked about, right? The filter bubble and all of that. I do think that as each of the platforms get, gets better at being able to kind of rotate the channels that are linked in, um, you're, you're recreating the channel guide. Uh, at, you look at the uh, Peacock app, you know, with, with them launching with really prominent channels, um, which takes a little bit out of the friction of, oh, I want to watch you know, um, uh, just a random episode of The Office, I can go to The Office channel, you know, versus going over and finding the episode and, you know, clicking in there. So it's, it's funny, right? None of these things are new. Uh, nothing is being invented. It's all just kind of cut up and pasted a slightly different way. Um, each person, each, you know, each brand's trying it similarly, but a little bit different. Right. Um, we're all kind of coalescing back to, to, you know, maybe the middle middle days of the cable, you know, when you had a hundred channels, you know. So I don't know. I I think I, I when I look at my Apple TV screen now and I see, especially lately, as someone who has subscriptions to pretty much everything, um, it's a little overwhelming, right? Am I going to go to the HBO 
tile or the Showtime tile or the, right. you know, Peacock tile. Um, and I don't think people will be happy with that for too, too long. You know, I think you'll still solutions will pop up, but I think those solutions are just, just versions of, of what we're accustomed to. Right. Know, we'll, we'll hopefully be launching a topic channel experience on one of the um, free, you know, uh, channel offerings. Mm-hmm. And that's a great way for us to like get exposure, but then you have to push the customer, the subscriber from a, from one app out entirely into another one, right? That's a very challenging funnel transition. Mm-hmm. So we need easier ways to be able to, to kind of expose, uh, expose viewers less friction, you know, for them to be able to watch what, what they prefer. Right. And, and I like what you guys are doing at Topic. I mean, you've had uh, some interesting shows and documentaries and and series, and your run times vary, so it makes it very convenient, you know. And so there, there's no problem in that mm-hmm. regard. And I, like I said, you know, I I like the gray areas. That's me personally, and I don't see very many people going yeah. full blown gray areas, unless the only grays they end up talking about are okay. some alien documentary, and then like here we go again. But uh, <laughs> you know. Um, so there's those sort no, of things. I like that. The gray area is a good space. Yeah. yeah. It's a good space to to represent. Yeah. Because I think that's where all the conversation comes from. If, you know, if I'm, you know, blue state mentality or red state mentality, and all I feed my mind is either of those two perspectives, it doesn't leave me open to anything else. And that, and that's the disheartening mm-hmm. part. Um, you know, but you guys seem to have yeah. found found a decent balance. So far, so I, I'm happy for you for for that. Um, yeah, it's just the issue of convenience, I think, that's going to be the hindrance in the long run of signing in, signing out, switching platforms, et cetera, et cetera, that is going to be a hindrance for streaming, um, you know, for the next two, three years, for example. But uh, programming-wise, I like that there's variation in options. You know, it's like going to new sites. Either you went to you know, uh, Jerusalem Today, or you went to, uh, you know, Deutsche Wells, or you went to BBC, or New York Times, or Fox News, or, you know, The Blaze, or MSNBC, or any of these, and you have options, you know, for news stories, we have options for streaming services and basically, you know, networks. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it, it's, you know, I guess it will be, it will be fascinating to see whether, uh, is it the equivalent of, of the early days of, of cable, right? Is that kind of what's happening uh, on the niche side? You know, if you look at a BritBox specifically, you know, that very much could have or would have been, it, I mean, it, it, its whole origins comes from a channel right. <laughs> in that case, yep. uh, being, you know, the BBC and ITV, of course. Um, so is that kind of what we're doing? It's like, okay, this this is just what would have run in a programming grid, is it more than that? I, I like to hope we we are trying to be more than that. You know, right. we wouldn't, well, we could certainly program a channel in, in the cable sense. We we want to represent the, all of all of the great, greater sort of potential that mm-hmm. you can get if that channel comes alive. Um, right. And I think that's the opportunity for the niche, niche streamers is to, you know, to associate themselves with their subscribers in a way that individual cable channels until really only recently were able to do. You look at Bravo mm-hmm. and then how that's really become like, 
you know, we, we talk about the concept of like a t-shirt brand. And right. well, I don't know many people would like wear the Bravo logo out in full force. They certainly are like right up to that point. Right. And you associate your own, you know, way of the world with, with Bravo programming. But that took many, many years. And we're only kind of, just as we're breaking apart, I feel like you, you've got some of these really strong affinities built. Um, and, but I, I do think the opportunity is for, for the niche streamers to build those affinities in a, in a online to offline way, you know, right. to really be brands that are meaningful, um, are, are cultural like touch points for the subscriber uh, that shape, shape their world, shape their enjoyment of, of entertainment, of, of ideas, of conversations, right? If, if all we, if all we're doing in some senses is giving you something fascinating to talk about at dinner with your friends, mm-hmm. like in many ways to us, that's like a major win. Right. Um, you know, we're, we're having that kind of impact in, yeah. and pushing conversation forward. Um, you know, I brought up the, the selling out and the marketing thing. Um, and you know, you guys have your vision and you have your mission statement and everything else, but we'll look at cable and we'll pick on them right now you know ifc (laughs) was independent film channel yeah ifc is now showing reruns of that 70s show and um two and a half men and there's mainstream movies big budget films being shown on ifc mtv the m stands for music and the only time i've ever seen a music video on mtv in the last decade and a half has between has been between two and four a.m you know, and now it's all reality shows. How do you stay true to the message and true to the name of the of the franchise? You know, um, without going completely off the deep end. Like at one point, there was an executive at Cartoon Network that wanted to eliminate cartoons. They didn't last very long, but you know, yeah. it's it's that sort of thing. Like music, television, no music. Independent film channel, no independent films. You know, et cetera, et cetera. It goes down the road that way. Like, how do you keep it true to itself? Oh, wow. Um, I mean, to me, I think a little bit of that is about ensuring that you are open to taking – you're open to making big decisions when the time is right. Mm -hmm. You know, like if if IFC had – I mean, it's very easy to play hindsight, right? right? But like, I, I would probably carve off IFC. You know, I mean, IFC has their own streaming <laughs> service that I think is probably truer to the brand than what sits on cable. Right. Um, but I think that if you're if you're doing one thing on the cable channel and you're doing one thing on the streamer, you're not actually serving anyone. So you know, I would probably repurpose the IFC channel, right? I wouldn't like, I wouldn't. Um, uh, like take harm harm this really great brand that does mean something if you go to the IFC theater in New York mm-hmm. um, by being able to come across that and see two and a half men on it. Now that channel could be any number of other things if if the business case doesn't mm-hmm. uh, lend itself to to supporting independent docs and right. and narrative you know indies on there. Right. But I think all all of the legacy media brands, especially HBO, which is just only beginning to clean this up, gets get so attached to sort of the wrong thing in many cases. And, and I know that 
all, a lot of HBO comes down to legal rules and like carriage agreements and the naming of things, but there's always a way, right? Like no one thought Disney was going to have a bunch of the stuff they did when they launched, but you know what they did? They, they said, we have to do this, right? We have to go all the way here. And they went and did it. They went and, and clawed back rights. They, they, shut down other streaming services. They pushed everything into one. You know, there's still a long way for them to go on the brand side, of course. They're right. doing very well, I'm sure, on the sub side. But, you know, I think you have to make those calls and 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 know what you're trying to keep keep sort of sacred for your audience. Um, I, you know, if, if I pull that quickly back to us, right, if, if we found that... Um, you know, two and a half type, two and a half men type comedies were working really, really well. I don't think we just like shift the topic brand into that. Right. We would, we would figure out if there's a business case and a use there and what is the best brand architecture to support that. Mm-hmm. And in a new media world, to be cliche, you can spin up another channel, right? You can spin up a YouTube page like Dust and you can experiment with that and you can see what the audience is and you don't necessarily have to make some sort of drastic brand damaging decision um, that maybe it's just a legacy of carriage agreements and advertising contracts. But again, there's always a way. Of course. So it really, really comes down to how, how far you want to you know, push that. Yeah. Uh, Ryan, before I let you go um, with topic, uh, something that, you know, say somebody just signed up for topic this week and they're scrolling through and trying to find something What's something already on topic they should take a look at? And then what can you talk about that's premiering, say, in August that everyone should keep their eyes open for? Great questions. Um, I would say that our series, When the Dust Settles, which uh, just launched in uh, the middle of July, would be a great uh, program to start with. Um, Really fascinating look. I mentioned, you know, terrorism earlier, uh, and it's a difficult subject to tackle. But I think this uh, particular series really flips it on its head and and looks at, uh, you know, European terrorist events from a very different angle and really through the human side and the people that are affected by the events that occur. So I think that's a great sort of entry point into our, our drama selection. Um, and in August, we have a Come Home launching on the 13th. Uh, this is, you know, really, again, uh, incredible look at a family and the events that, you know, sort of tore them apart and keep them together. Um, Christopher Eckerston is the lead in that. Uh, and it's, you know, fascinating performances, just has all the pieces of, of a great kind of, of, of a binge and to get sucked in, but still at that intersection of this is a meaningful story while, you know, having that kind of, you know, driving narrative that keeps you entertained. So those two are great. And, you know, we have, we have a ton, ton more series um, launching pretty much a major series every week through the end of the year. Um, we do a new film uh, every week, sometimes two. So there's really a ton, a ton coming that I think um, is exciting. Some of, some of the most exciting series we still have yet to launch this year. So they're on their way. Fantastic. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, topic, please visit topic.com. 
Everything starting at five ninety nine a month. You get a one week trial if you if you sign up uh, today. Uh, please give it a, a look, Ryan. It's been a pleasure chatting with you. I thank you so much for your time. Uh, I like to ask these types of questions because it forces both sides to to think and look beyond uh, our own worldview. And an exchange of ideas is what's going to give us a greater pers- uh, perspective on life. So thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for having me. I, I agree. It's a great set of questions, and I really enjoyed discussing them with you. So, uh, and really fun. And just to make sure, the uh, the topic Twitter handle is um, at Topic Stories. Yes, correct. Perfect. Thank you so much, Ryan. I'll be talking to you soon.